yet. Hello and welcome back to the Couch Team Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Chamberlain. How are you doing, Matt? Well, Celtics are up 3-0, so I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> uh, and the Thunder are the opposite of that. They're about to go down 3-0. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but sure, yes. That's, that's unfortunate. It. Listen, you got to face reality sometimes when you're a fan. Uh, and that's the reality of the Oklahoma City Thunder. But we'll talk about that here in a bit uh, on our big topic for today. We'll talk about the first round of the playoffs. Before we get that get to that let me remind you to follow us on our social media twitter and instagram you can find us on twitter at nba couch gm pod and on instagram at couch gm podcast uh, the full podcast word there um and if you haven't yet subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcast streaming service and give us a review there we would greatly appreciate that if you missed episode 76 Somehow we're on episode 77, yeah. and it's the, surreal. We're on, this is our Luca episode. It's Oh, yeah. Is he the only 77 player? In the league currently? Probably. I'll, um, I'll look it up for an okay. all time. All right. Well, uh, in the meantime, in the, uh, episode six, 76, we talked about end-of-seating games and, and bubble awards. Uh, we talked about MVP, all bubble, all bubble teams, which was a lot of fun. I talked about the virtual fan experience I did for a Thunder game. And then we predicted our uh, round one playoff um, expectations and predictions. Um, some of them are happening. Some of them are not even close. So yeah. um, I had Blazers in one, though. So You did get that right. I got that one right. So um, score one for me. Real quick on the 77 thing. Popular number here. Really? Um, so, Damari Carroll with the Spurs <laughs> wore 77. That was, that, you know, that whole debacle Does thing. he think he's Luka? Because um, he's on he's on Houston now, right? And, yeah, and I guess so that's that right. And so that was before thing. Um, Ursan Ilyasova okay, 77. Yeah. Yep. And last one, I should have known this. I'm disappointed in myself. Vincent Poirier, third string center. <laughs> well, fourth <laughs> string center for the Celtics. Um the Vinny Sexfinger is what he's known as on the Golly. Celtics. Where's number 77? And uh, it's been used a, a bit. Andrea Bargnani. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Jeffrey Lever was a big man in the league for a little bit. Johnny O'Brien. Sasha Pavlovich. Um, a couple other guys. But it's been thrown around a little bit. 77, what a weird number. Yeah, I know. Vladimir Radmanovich um, got some run with um, the mid-2000s. Anyway, but yes, very weird number. Don't know why it's been used so much, but we'll call it our Luca episode. Sounds better than the Vladimir Radmanovich. So we're going to be incredible for like three quarters and sprint our ankle at some point. Is that why the ending we're going to talk about, like OKC or something? Um, Yeah, that's that's going to be it. Going down hard. Um, All right, so the news. (laughs) So most notably, Luca's ankle sprained the other day. Mm. So he tried to play, but came back in for like two minutes and they're like no this this isn't working so he sat the whole fourth quarter um in game three against the clippers which man the mavs just getting some tough breaks you know they they're they were going to lose game three probably either way because Kawhi was on a tear but the fact that that could have been them up to one at the end of that versus now they're down to one is tough breaks for uh dallas but uh luca hopefully is going to play game four and be okay um, it looked bad, though. It looked really bad. Uh, Nick Nurse won Coach of the Year. Announced today, on Saturday. Um, Billy Donovan came in third. 
It's kind of crazy. I guess uh, Budenholzer came in second, second. which, yeah. I mean, like, well-deserved. They were the best team in the league. But I, I was surprised Billy came so far. I was expecting him to be one or two. The honestly. idea of he did more with less was yeah. not uh, overly appreciated amongst uh, voters. Although, kind of happened with Nick Nurse. But, I don't know, maybe it's a higher view of the Raptors to start with. I don't know. I don't get the qualifications for Coach of the Year. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Give me the pamphlet and let me see him figure it out. Um, last big thing, besides the fact that the Grizzlies got knocked out in their one playing game against the Blazers, which, shout out John Morant. He, yeah, he, he had a 30-point triple-double, right? Yeah. Um, he did his best, and, and Vuce, or, um, uh, Valanchunas was good, too. Yep. Just... Didn't have enough, and and Dame just wasn't, and CJ weren't letting him lose that game. So, um, you you had Blazers in one, I had it in two. I I gave the Grizzlies. I thought Jaw was going to be good because he had that good last regular seeding game. He he was just wasn't quite enough. Um, so the last big thing is the NBA lottery order was announced the other day. So the odds went Warriors, Cavs at two, Minnesota at three. So how it worked out in the top three ended up being Minnesota jumped up to one. Golden State fell to two. And then three was Charlotte. Charlotte jumped all the way up from eight to the three spot. That's a big jump. And Chicago jumped from the seven uh, best odds up to the four spot. So that's a big jump. So Cleveland fell to the five. That's a tough break. Atlanta fell from four to six. Detroit had the seventh odds, got the seventh pick. The Knicks fell from 6 to 8, and then it went as expected from there. Washington, Phoenix at 9-10, Spurs, Kings, Pelicans as 11-12-13, and then the 14th pick, Memphis, as expected, but it conveys to Boston. Shout out Jeff Green um, (laughs) from like what feels like two decades ago, but um, that pick finally, finally conveyed to the Celtics. It's just crazy. Like that, that has been lingering for so long i know and that that was projected to be like a top five pick this year yeah and it i think it's as long as it wasn't top two or three the celtics were supposed to get it last year and of course then the grizzlies jumped to two and got jaw so it jaw just made that team so much better than we all thought it would be that it was still supposed to be a good pick going into the year and morant just gave us the middle finger and (laughs) we fell to 14 but whatever um, we'll package it and steal it uh, a good player from the Knicks again or something. <laughs> steal RJ Barrett after year two because that's what the Knicks would be all about. He turns into Jalen Brown 2.0. <laughs> so it's just crazy that, uh, I mean, there's some interesting things like Cleveland falling out of the top, what'd you say, three? They, Cleveland was supposed to be two. And they fell to five. That that sucks. Like you suck all year to get a good pick, and then you get like a middling. I mean, like the five pick is still a good pick. But they're always picking between like four and six, four and seven. That's always where the Cavs are, and they had the chance to be like two. Now I say always, like the the Cavs have got the number one pick way more than they should have ever got the number one pick. But it's like could they at least have got the two? Yeah. Like or the three even. Um, depending on who you ask, it's a three player top of the draft. I, I don't know if it's quite that, but um, just the fact that they fell to five, and I have it more as like a top five, and after that it kind of falls off. So the fact that they don't get the pick of like the top five guys, they get whoever was left. That's, it hurts, but I don't know. Maybe it gives them a chance not to mess it up themselves. 
Listen, I think, like, if you're Cleveland at five, one of those five teams is going to, uh, four teams before you is going to screw up the oh, pick. definitely. Because Between... no, none of them have good, I mean, outside of Golden State. But Golden State doesn't draft as high. So. That's true. But maybe they're not sure what to do. The same way they don't know what to do up there, the Spurs are like, what are we doing in the lottery? <laughs> what is this? They never picked up here before. Um, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, we'll eventually have a draft episode. We'll talk about prospects and teams and all that. But we're still playing basketball, Ryan. That's true. There is actually important good basketball teams. Well, mostly good basketball okay. teams playing. CC, Orlando, <laughs> and, um, and Brooklyn. <laughs> So that's what we're, that's what the big topic I mentioned kind of at the top of the podcast was uh, we're going to be talking about first round, what we see in good and bad, and we've kind of broken up this series into three tiers here. A large majority of these series falls into uh, the second category of just kind of middling interest, yeah. I would say. It's worth a watch most of the games, but I think there's a couple of these series that are going to wrap up. They're determined. Quick. But you want to give it a chance to see if the other one, the other team can make it in, in, more interesting. Yeah, fall into that third category. Um, so let's talk about the first category of series here that we just don't really care about. And there's game going on right now as we speak in the series. We're, and we can start with them. The Bucks Magic. Yeah, currently we're watching game three and the Bucks are just taking them behind the, the, the Disney arena and... Giving them the business. It's like taking a- them behind Winnie the Pooh's house, <laughs> just or Eeyore, Eeyore's little hut. <laughs> um, yeah, they're up by like thirty in the middle of the third quarter right now. Um, so the Magic stole Game One, which was honestly really cool. Like it was fun to watch. Good for uh, them. Yeah, um, just the same way they did against Toronto last year. And then after that, it's like he woke up the sleeping giant, yeah. and it's just gone horribly ever since. Um, the Bucks. In that first game, though, they did look like how they were looking in the bubble and right before the season ended, which was less than good and very almost concerning. Not the best team in the East, not the best team in the NBA. No. And so over this last game and a half of us watching them now, now they look like the Bucs again. It looks like the team that was like, oh, yes, this is why Giannis is the MVP. This is why the Bucs are the, the clear number one team in the league. If Chris Middleton can hit shots... This is a drastically different team. If Chris Middleton's going 6 for 20, all of a sudden it's like, where is the floor spacing for Giannis coming from? And that's, I mean, that's just been the series so far with Orlando. And there's nothing Orlando can do about it. Yeah, I mean, defensively, the Bucks were kind of, weren't kind of in game one. They were bad, right? Yeah, like, they weren't engaged. Like, James yeah. Ennis was, like, driving by whoever he wanted, and it's James Ennis. <laughs> we're not talking about LeBron James here. We're talking about <laughs> James Ennis. Um... Yeah, I mean, like, that's kind of it. They were disengaged in game one um, and then tried to make a comeback and couldn't get enough defensive stops. No. Like, that, that's what it really came to, down to. Um, and in games two and now three, it looks like the Bucks are, like, world leaders when it comes to defense. Like, Giannis is playing de- uh, excellent defense on Vucevic, who just carved them up on the inside in game one. So, I, it looks like this is going to end in five. Like, after yeah. this, like, I don't really see the magic stretching it to another game. Um, I don't know. It if would take, to me, it would take, like, Terrence Ross. Just, like, going having one of like his 40. randomly hot 40. Yeah. Which he can do. Yeah. I just, 
there's there's a point now with Middleton and DiVincenzo and Bledsoe just being like, no, this isn't going to happen out here. And then if Giannis and Lopez can take away the inside. What, for Orlando, like, Isaac's out, Aaron Gordon's out. Like, it just is what it is. Chuck, the year up as a win in total for the you Magic. made the playoffs two years in a row. Yeah. Um, Vucevic has looked good. Like, you've, you're getting something from Fultz. Yep. Um, you know you have a couple good young forwards if they can ever get healthy. It's just, can you get them healthy and then can you figure out the rest? So, they're not in a terrible place. that They might be in this middling. They're never going to be above the sixth seed in the prime of their best players. But, you know, you're making the playoffs. So, there's that. That's a win for this franchise at this point. Yeah, so. staying relevant, which is important. I don't think we have any more to really say on this series. So, we'll move on to the next non-interesting yeah. series. Raptors-Nets. So... Yeah, I I thought Bucks would win in, in four, Raptors in five. That really needs to be flipped. Mm. Raptors aren't losing a game to the Nets. The Nets have made it semi-competitive at times, but then other times it's it's the same stuff we were talking about with Milwaukee and Orlando. This is a 30-point game in the third quarter, and there's just nothing the Nets can do about it. Yeah, when Fred Van Fleet is just pulling up from like the hash and just training shots, I don't know if there's much the Nets can do about that, right? No. I mean, Karras has been you know pretty good it's yeah. just the the entire toronto team knows that's the offense and so they're just trying to make his life miserable and doing a good job of it at karis Lever, i he's not a number one option he's a num he's like a solid two or three um i think the nets at the end of this should be happy to know that they saw karis now multiple times get to be a number one option look pretty good he's probably gonna be pretty good trade bait and then you you just chalk this year up as kind of a whatever since you were without seven of your top ten players for the bubble. You know, it can't just be Karras and, you know, Joey Headband out there. <laughs> the, I think the positive thing is that uh, from the Nets' perspective is that they found, I think, a legit center in Jared Allen because he's been really good they, in the they've bubble. They've rediscovered that they have <laughs> a legit center in Jared for, Allen. I, the wildest thing happened last year, and he was in Summer League. Like what? What are we doing? What are we doing? Like this guy's a fourth year in the league, and he's averaging like twenty and twenty in the like in the summer league. Like this isn't helping his development no. at all. And like, Jared Allen kind of is what he is. I right? mean, he's a he's protects the rim and like rebounds and like dunks, dunks the ball. Yep. That's all you. That's all you need from him. He's not taking elbow jumpers. He's not taking corner threes. Just not what he does, and that's fine. You know, it, like, that puts a ceiling on him. But he's a really good at what he does. Yeah. So, you know, there's... There's value there. And, like, I, I don't know. I, I just think he's... When push comes to shove, he's going to be their best defensive option next year. Yeah. And... He's like, a much better defender than DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Better rim protected, too. I, I don't know. That's just kind of it. Like, you found... I think for the Nets, you found the guys you're going to run with next year. Yeah. Like, next to your two superstars yep. in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yep. Bring back Harris. Start Allen. Yeah. Probably trade Karras at this point. You still have Dinwiddie. You still got some other veterans to fill out your bench. Maybe you found a couple other bench pieces, you know, in this bubble with, like, Luwawu, Cabrero, and stuff. But, like, for the DLC. most part. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, this is it's a wash. Toronto, let's just go ahead and move them on. We don't need to play any more games. We don't need to have a chance of an injury. Serge Ibaka was, like, carving them up the other day. Like, 
this is just to the point of the Raptors can give the ball to anybody. Yeah. And they can give it to Norm Powell every other possession. And he tell him had to take a freaking monster at, of a dunk on someone. Was it Jared Allen he dunked on? May, I don't remember. I, I don't. I honestly didn't watch the game, so I'm just seeing <laughs> highlights. Um, I'm cool with, like, we don't have to play game four, guys. Just, just advance wait, 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 I don't need wait, anyone getting hurt. Flag. So That's a good point. So moving on to our next category of series... Uh, we have a couple of inter- interesting ones, and then a couple that are, I think are going to wrap up over this weekend. Um, Lakers Blazers. Yeah. So they're playing tonight. You yeah. Know, so we're catching this a little early. Um, probably this is, I mean, Dame had the finger injury. That this is the big news is, if Dame is not Dame, this Portland team has absolutely no zero chance. chance. It's yeah. a snowflake's chance in hell of beating the Lakers. <laughs> you know, because. Uh, CJ's been fine. I've been critical of him this year, but he's been better in the bubble. Yep. Um, he has the he, back injury. He still can't. Yeah, but with the injury especially, though, he cannot get this team past the Lakers um, if Dame's not 100%. So, you know, if Dame's able to still launch 35-footers and do it at a fairly efficient clip, then maybe the Blazers still have a puncher's chance. Yep. Um, yep. Carmelo's been interestingly good. Yeah, he's yeah. not scoring a ton, but like he's like kind of banging with LeBron, and like that's really cool. Well, it's weird because like LeBron, it, I don't know what the like. I think the Lakers have some bigger issues going on here, and we can touch on that in a second. But like the Lake, he's like going into the post way more than he usually yeah. is. Yeah, which which like kind of plays into the Blazers' defense. Like, You're like, oh, you want to be down there with Dwight Howard and probably Anthony Davis around the free throw line? That's pretty easy to <laughs> stay okay, around. We can send three bodies at you and yeah. like d- still defend. And that was a good point. I think I was listening to someone talk about this earlier. It was like when the Lakers trot out like Anthony Davis plus center, either Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee, that allows the Blazers to do the same. Like, yeah. They can do Nurkic plus Whiteside. Yeah. So essentially... The Lakers are adding another defender and like that. Right in front of the rim, <laughs> right which is where the Lakers want to score the ball. <laughs> like, that's the crazy part is like you're adding another. And like, that's why we've been yelling about this all year is like AD needs to play the five. Like, Anthony Davis needs to play the five for the Lakers to really be a championship contender. And I think it's going to rear its head here. But it's even more strange, like, when you have those two guys on the floor. And Anthony Davis is, like, above the break at the three-point line, and LeBron James is, like, posting up inside. Like, it's it's a weird thing, but, like, Melo's been able to defend that. And, like, yeah. they, like Gary Trent Jr. hasn't been horribly uh, yeah. abused yet in yeah. this series, which, like, you feel like in game two, like, the Lakers should have taken advantage of that yeah. by now. Yes. Um, I was saying, when he's on LeBron in the post, there have been a few times where LeBron's like, I'm going through you. Yeah. It's... You know, game, what was that? Whoever, the, whenever it was the other night, LeBron only went for like 10 points because Anthony Davis was, you know, going full Anthony Davis. Game two, yep. Which, um, yeah, game two. So, Anthony Davis, this whole playing huge lineups thing for LA, it kind of works if Anthony Davis is shooting, you know, 40 plus percent from three. If he's doing that and it makes Whiteside or Nurkic step out, then LeBron can put Melo or Gary Trent Jr. in the post and do what he does. And like we said, Melo's been decent in there, but at the end of the day, like LeBron's going to win more matchups than he's going to lose in that scenario, and especially with Trent on him. 
unless he's just too passive, which sometimes LeBron is yep. out of there. Um, that that's a majority win for the Lakers as long as Anthony Davis is not standing there next to him. It's like you said, when that comes in, there's an issue. But also then lineup wise, it you can't get Kuzma on the floor. Yeah, and Kuzma has been like good. Well, that, that he's was been a, a good third option. That was another strange thing. The Lakers went like ultra huge. They did for, for a stretch there. They had like AD, a center, uh, LeBron, uh, Kuzma, Kuzma, and, and I like, think like a guard, like KCP or Caruso. KCP. Maybe, I think it was Caruso, maybe. Um, but like Kuzma was like initiating the offense. Yeah, this is very strange. And like uh, running point for a bit, and I don't love his playmaking no. like i don't love no. that part of his game like that's not who he is like if you've seen him dribble it's like where did you how do you you look like a six ten guy who's not allowed to dribble yeah. <laughs> how is this ball not stolen from you yet like how has dame just not come up and just stolen the ball from you but whatever um yeah this i feel like the blazers are kind of forcing the lakers to do weird things like frank vogel is like going to these weird lineups out of necessity not like because it's innovating like yeah. i guess it's innovating but it's innovation innovation based on necessity yeah um because the guard play has just been like markeith morris has just been horrific he you know he hit a couple shots and it like really got his confidence going and i was like <laughs> okay maybe you need to temper your confidence um maybe that's not what they ultimately needed to happen but um it's like they did what philly thinks Philly's doing which is mm, by going mm. huge and be like, we're going to make Boston have to match up against us. And Boston <laughs> just laughs at him. Um, <laughs> like, feel free. Go uh, ahead. But, but we'll talk about them um, hereafter. But in this case, it's like, like, we can't, we don't have the guards to stay in front of McCollum and Dame and mm. Gary Trent Jr. Like, we're just not even going to try. We're just going to put the opposite. We're going to put 6'9 out there at nearly every position and say, CJ, you've got to guard someone. Um, that's way bigger than you. And yeah, it's in the post, but if, again, if Kuzma is another one of those guys, if he can hit enough corner threes, you know, wing threes that CJ doesn't really know how to guard him. Like, do I help down? Do I not help down? It's sometimes Kuzma in the post and LeBron's out on the wing. It, it just complicates things for the Blazers. It, it's really dependent on, are those couple of guys for the Lakers stretching the floor like they can, or are they doing what they've done for large portions of the year, which is, like, I'm better inside. The problem is almost everybody for the Lakers is better inside. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be the balance, the challenging thing for the Lakers going forward if they win the series, and I think they will, ultimately, even though the Blazers will give them, I think, a, a, I don't know, a challenge. I don't I don't even know if it... Even adds. if it goes five games, it's going to be, like, a still a pretty tough five games. Yeah, close five games. Um I think that's going to be the challenge for them going forward, is that teams are going to dare Markeith Morris and Kuzma and whoever, even Danny Green right now, go ahead, take as many threes as you want. Yeah. We're, we're just going to bet that you're going to miss 70% of them, because that's what your average is definitely. right now. Um, so I, I think that's the key thing to watch for the Lakers. I don't know if they want to chance. Like, this team does not look like a championship team right now. Not to project too much, but I am very worried about this team playing Houston. Yeah. Because, um, <laughs> how, the offense how are from? you guarding anybody on Houston right now? Yeah. Also, like, how are you, like, I don't think, you can put Gary Trent Jr. in the post. You can't put P.J. Tucker in the post and be like, this is a win for us. 
Like, you're going to, LeBron's going to get hit a few too many times down there, or Kuzma's going to get just bullied in there by Covington or whoever it is. Mm. So, we'll, we'll talk about that series once it comes around next week. Um, <laughs> but I'm, you can get through the Blazers. You can get through them because the Blazers have no depth and Dame is hurt. Yep. And CJ's hurt. But yeah, long term, I don't know how sustainable this is. And we talked about this all year. Like, if you don't have any guards, can you win an NBA championship nowadays? Because they don't have any. They they really truly like Crusoe's giving them decent defensive minutes. That's about it. KCP had a good game the other day. I'm not counting on KCP. I'm not counting on Alex Crusoe for shooting. They're not like not even playing Dion and Jr. So that's yeah, weird. that's a, that was a strange thing. Is like you feel like you need more playmaking and shot creation, and I guess like you just don't trust Dion to make the right decision at this, at this point, point. I guess, uh, or Jr. to make the right decision because Jr. was turnover prone, um, has been turnover prone. So I guess that's kind of the concern there with playing those guys. But I, as a coach, I feel like if nothing else is working, you. Don't certainly don't go to more bigs. You don't go four or five bigs. Like that's, <laughs> that's not your plan. That's not what I would do. But I guess it kind of works for them in this series. Um, I think the Lakers are kind of getting by here um, because of the Collins injury and yeah, again CJ, another another injury there. CJ and Dame. I, the interesting thing about what the Lakers did in Game Two is that they started like trapping Dame to like the sideline. They showed double. Um, yeah. and then kind of forced him to the sideline instead of getting out and to the middle of the floor. Um, so that's something to watch for going in the series. If they're able to contain him there, that's a huge win for them. But if he gets out and starts hitting those 35 logo Lillard jump shots, yeah. then the Lakers get in some real trouble real quick. At this point, the Blazers, we talked about like the AD and Kuzma needing to hit threes. At this point, the Blazers of a team have not been good enough outside of Dame hitting threes to yep. make make it where you have to like retract on that defense. Yep. Like Gary Trent Jr. has been really good. He hasn't been as good in the playoffs as he was in the seeding games, but he's still been like fine. Mellow's again been fine. At this point, it's like Winnie Gabriel's like having to take shots. And <laughs> Winnie Gabriel is a good ish G League player. Yeah. But they needed size and so he fit the bill. Like the Blazers they don't have enough around and again, we haven't even talked about the fact like Rodney Hood is hurt. Right, yep. like, there yep. are other guys that like we we're not even considering. Trevor Reese been, is not there. Trevor Reese is out. Yeah, it's like again the Blazers should be a drastically different team than they are right now. They're not an eight seed on no. a typical year. So the Lakers are going to luck out. I'm that's just ultimately how I'm viewing that series. Is they're going to luck out. They're going to get through it. And five would be the i the ideal dream for the Lakers right now. So you can rest a little more. But again, projecting forward when they play the Rockets. This is going to be a whole different ball game for them. Um, it's going to be a rude wake up call. It's going to be a fun series. Yeah, Talk about, um, it's a fun series for me. <laughs> All the 76ers fans hate you right now. Boston and Philly. So oh. Philly, you know, almost did some things last night. Um, they gave it the best effort. They That's did. what I could say about that game. That, that was yeah. And then Boston, right at the end, went on a 10-0 run to Marcus win by eight. Marcus Smart, I think, might just be the most like peskiest player and mo- might be the most hated player in Philadelphia sports history Probably. right now. I, wow. Um, <laughs> they hate a lot of people. Uh, he, he's, he's getting up there though. Marcus right? Smart. Again, we're OSU guys. So like there's a special place 
in our hearts for Marcus Smart, but also being a Celtics fan for me. Like, Marcus Smart, like, the fact that he is who he is and he's developed into this player for Boston is, like, it's been incredible to watch and see. Is he really a starter in the league? For other teams, probably. For this Boston team, probably not. Um, He's starting now because Hayward's out. But it's his defense coupled with defense of Jalen and Jason and then the shot making that Kimba and Jason are providing right now. It that unless Embiid it goes for fifty and he truly takes advantage of Tice or Cantor in the post every single time, I there's no hope for Philly. Well, here's the deal: he's can't go for fifty because he's out of shape. Yeah. Like that's the thing is like Embiid's not like I texted you in game one, like in the first quarter, he went like eleven points, five five from the field and something like that. Yeah. And, like, they didn't go back to him in the post the rest of the quarter, like, halfway through the first first quarter, because he was exhausted. Yeah. Like, he never went back to the post because he couldn't... He wasn't running down to the post. Yeah. He, like, stopped at the three-point line. Stan Van Gundy roasted Joel Embiid for taking threes. Like, the, you are a great seven-foot-two big man who should have a variety of post moves. And when you're playing against a Daniel Tice, who's, like, 6'10". Like he's two, a he's a good he's like, fine yeah a good like he's he's above average defender but he's not the biggest guy out there you should literally be able to just go over the top of him and Daniel Tice will go straight up you know but he's not the longest arms in the world you you can just do a baby right handed hook shot every single time if you want and uh, either force the Celtics to double team you or that's that should be a bucket you know three every out of time. every four shots yep yeah so the fact that one he doesn't do it. It's a criticism mostly on his physique and deserves it. Like, how do you not be in shape? Yeah, watch him in the second quarter of game four. What's the, like, you watched game two where that was the game Celtics blew him out. Uh, Philly was up by like 14 in the first quarter because Joel Embiid just was like, I'm putting him in the basket every time. Great. And then he stopped. He just stopped doing it. And he still ended the game with like 34 points. Because he, you know, had so many early, and then just a few buckets here and there every quarter gets you to 30, which is awesome. Stat line looks really cool. Box score looks really cool. Watch the tape. Joel Embiid's face from, like, the end of the second quarter on was just like, get me out of here. Yeah. I'm so over this. Yeah, get me out of the bubble. Like, yeah. get get Brett Brown out of my face. He he just looked so frustrated. Because it felt like there was nothing else he could do. A reporter asked him after the game... Um, you know, Kimba, Jason, Jalen hitting just a bunch of just like seems like wide open pull up shots off the pick and roll, and he says, "Yeah, I know we're supposed to drop, but something's got to change." Just well, openly criticizing Brett Brown. Well, that's the thing is that I texted you probably like, right <laughs> game and a half in. They're still playing drop coverage, like still. it beats st- standing like in the restricted area, and Kimba's coming up off these Daniel Tice screens for wi- walking into wide open three point shots. Yeah. Like this isn't this isn't the Orlando Magic who it's like okay fine like have as many of those as you want yeah Mark Alfolds this is like the I don't know like the Blazers did this last year yeah when they were playing Golden State it's like what what film have you been watching of these teams what like you understand you're you're playing Kimball Walk that's Kimball Walker who's yeah. coming off the screen all, all pro um so I think this idea of drop coverage has become starting to get a little more popularity. Right, because like, it's what the Jazz do. Rudy Gobert has won Defensive Player of the Year now multiple times doing it. So you see teams like Portland doing it, Philly's doing it, because their centers just can't switch. 
and that's fine. Sender's not being able to switch is not the biggest deal in the world, but Sender's not being able to hedge. Sender's not being able to at least do some sort of flat line, like, I'm going to at least extend you out, which is what, like, Jokic will do. Um, the fact that they're playing a drop, but not even a drop, they're playing, like, don't even go up with Daniel Tice to set the, like, when he's setting the screen. Yeah. Like, Joel is, like, literally just standing in front of the rim. Rudy Gobert, like, in comparison, will, like, go to, if the, the screen like, set, free throw yeah, line. if the screen's, like, right at the top of the key, then Rudy Gobert goes to at least a free throw line with, like, a foot down in the lane ready to drop more. If it's higher, Rudy will come a little higher, not too much more, but a little bit. Joel Embelli is not even within a step of the free throw line. Like, he's not even close to it. Like, that's part of the difference. It's Kimba, if he wanted to take three more dribbles, he could and still get a shot up. <laughs> he's getting, like, these free mid-range jump yeah. shots. And it's not even, like... It's, it, that's another thing about Embiid. He's play, not even playing, like, his elite defense inside. Yeah. Like... Kemba Walker is getting essentially right to the bucket, and Embiid's just staring at him. Like, yeah. he doesn't even get his hands up most no. of the time because Kemba's already up, like, at the basket. Yeah. That's the... When Kemba's at his best, it's... He's just so fast. It's it's so quick, his movements. It's not even just, you know, straight-line sprint speed is what we're talking about. We're talking about, like, he's going one way, and then he's just crossover one way, and the shot's already going up before you realized he crossed you over. Mm. That's, that's Kemba, and... For large portions of the year, haven't seen it. Like it just hasn't. Yeah. He's figuring out how to fit in, figuring out how to work with Jalen and Jason, who are just taking off. And it seems like well, I don't know what happened, but these last handful of games going into the playoffs and now the playoffs, it's clicked. Like it's they figured out the balance of when Kimba can go get his, when Jalen and Jason can go get theirs, because all three of those guys can go get it whenever they want at this point, especially playing this Philly team. It does not matter who you put on him as a perimeter defender. Because right now, Shake Milton's not good enough to defend any of those guys. He's like mm-hmm. a, he's an average perimeter defender, but that's not good enough against those guys. Josh Richardson, they're like, fine, pick and roll. Get you off of us. Even if you are somewhat good enough, that Joel is not helping you out. Right. It's that drop coverage. Like, yeah. you're not getting it. You have to fight over the screen. Mm-hmm. And, like, the screen's... You, like it's usually a double screen so yeah. there's no way you're getting over no, both those screens <laughs> um tobias harris is just he's is, too slow yeah it's he's too slow going side to side to stay in front of kimba or jalen or jason matisse thibel is gonna foul out if you leave him in there for too long i mean seriously it's like he makes two good defensive plays and kimba's like come switch on to me and just gets him in two quick fouls he's done it all year every time they play philly that's yeah. what he does kimba's just like bring me matisse and i'll get him out of the game um just is what it is, and then you can't play Corkmaz at this point. No, um, but you need him. The, for the you need him, stretch. but defensively, it's it's a mess. Yeah. Um. Or and then here's the the corkscrew in all this, which is put Al Horford on a wing and see how that goes. <laughs> oh my gosh! That so this is what happened in game three. This was the other night. We we're both watching it. So they started Horford because they they benched him in game two. And they're like, all right, that went terribly. So they started him in game three. Like, all right, let's go back to who we were. And I'll let you. So, first play of the game. Who wins the tip? The Celtics win the tip. You know what happens? Five seconds later, Jalen Brown back cuts Al Horford for a wide open dunk. Because Al Horford's like, because Kimba just dribbled right at him. Everyone else was on the other side of the floor. Jalen took one step up the three-point line, and it was like, back. 
cut. It was the easiest thing in the whole world because Joel wasn't paying attention to it at all, which is already a concern. No, no one was. It's like why are you guarding to Daniel Tice on the other side of the floor when Kimba's thirty feet away from him? Like, what's the point, dude? Um, so that was a concern already, but it that set the tone for Jalen's going by you every single time. Jalen scored the first six points yeah. or so of the game for the Celtics. Like seven, yeah, because he could like. Al Horford couldn't do anything. Like it was literally like breakouts, and yeah, it just like right at it, right at his chest. Yeah, it's like what are we? Do- why are you putting? Why are you asking how Al Horford to guard one of the most athletic perimeter guys in the league right now? Yeah, and like I don't blame Al Horford for not being able to guard him. No, like- that's not the that's not the issue. It's like why can't you hide? Al Horford on Marcus Smart. Yeah, like you and Marcus, I were like texting about that. Like, wh- why not? Marcus hasn't done anything offensively. That actually like, might work out in your favor because yeah. Marcus Smart's going to like, ooh, barbecue chicken, here we go. Yeah, I get a little too confident in himself right now, and which is would play into Philly's hands. And for whatever reason, they don't do it. They're just not doing it. And then there were times where Tatum's like, all right, give me a turn. And so yeah. he has Jalen come screen for him, <laughs> and they switch because you, you have to. And then it's just, I think you sent me the, the stat today. Jalen, or um, Jason's true shooting percentage when guarded by Al Horford's about 98%. It's just like he's hitting every shot. He's literally making everything. <laughs> Which, like, the fact that, like, that's not hyperbole is literally incredible. Like, I get that maybe there's some luck in there. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know, a couple shots are luck. But that's not, like, that's not... I, I don't even know what to do with that. Like, what do you do with that? Like, who hits essentially 100%? Like, Al Horford's your defensive specialist. That's yeah. what you brought him onto this team for. He's this a, is what you signed him last offseason to do. He's a defensive specialist inside. He's really he's really good as the pick-and-roll defender on the big. He knows how to play drop coverage. <laughs> you know? But that's, that's the thing. The point. Boston's not making him play drop coverage because Philly needs him to switch. Because he's playing the four, not the five. And like that's just ultimately the downfall, is Al Horford can't be the four. He can't. You, you want to play the Lakers going three bigs with Al Horford at the four? Fine. That we, works. But you're not playing the Lakers because they're going to be playing in the West. And even if they make it to the championship, you're not. So <laughs> that's simple. I think that's ultimately the point here with Philly is that it's – it's a four-game series. Yeah. Like, I, I predicted seven. Um, I thought Philly would get scrappy enough in that Boston. Tobias is going to have to go for, like, 30-plus. Joel's going to have to go for 30-plus. Yeah. They're going to have to get a good game from Richardson and Horford and some timely-ish shooting from Shake Milton to seriously make this more than, like, a four-game series. Yeah. Which is, like, wow. You need all of that just to get past getting swept. <laughs> not winning series, just not getting swept. It's just... I don't know what to do with Philly. Like I know was, what to do with Philly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, blow it up. Um, there was this thi- like there was this talk all year of them being like a serious championship contender, and I guess we we both talked and we never really saw it. it. Yeah, because they didn't have enough shooting. Like that's the thing is like this team didn't have enough playmaking and enough shooting. Like they stuck up on centers. It's like, the reason the why season. we've been worrisome about the lakers all year it's the exact same reason just the lakers have lebron and anthony davis you have joel Embiid and ben simmons which are you know the less like just like the grade b versions of those two guys for la 
You know, That's it's just point. like yeah. Joel thinks he's Anthony Davis. He's not. Ben, <laughs> ben Simmons, Simmons doesn't even is, sniff is in, in the, the mold of LeBron, but he's not LeBron. Like it's just yeah. that's just the case. And if you're going to build the teams the exact same way, well, of course the Lakers are going to be better at it than you because they have the better superstars. Yep. It, that's just the case. Joel thinks he's a perimeter guy who can also go inside. He's going to be a massive rim protector and can guard everybody. Joel can't do that. He just can't. Ben, he, he, LeBron's not the greatest shooter in the world, but he can hit shots. Yeah. You know, and he can he can take a guy in the post. He can do whatever he wants with the ball in his hands and get to the rim. Ben can somewhat do that with the dribbling, but just not the offensive shooting. It just it's not going to work at the end of the day unless you put great shooters around him. And if Tobias isn't hitting near fifty percent from three, you don't have a JJ Redick anymore because he let him walk, and you're not playing Corkmaz like you. The fact that you need Shake Milton it says a lot. <laughs> that I mean, I like Shake Milton. Shout out Owasso, but like. You know, at the end of the day, like that's not what a championship team is. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that's well put, and I think we've talked probably enough about the Celtics. Shout <laughs> out, <laughs> shout out, Boston. Boston and Toronto is going to be an incredible second. I round. think that's a, uh, that's unfortunate. That could we, be an Easter Conference Finals. We talk crap a lot about on the Sixers in that, but shout out to Jason Tatum. Not a lot of Jason Tatum haters coming out after the nope, series. Nope. Everyone, everyone talking after game one of the bubble, but it's, you got the haircut, and it's game it, over, everybody. It's funny when you start hitting 45% of your threes and, you know, start playmaking really well yeah. and look like an all-NBA all player that not a lot of First people First team all-bubble. First team uh-huh. all-bubble. Um, anyways, Celtics look like a legit championship contender, and I... I I think they have a really good shot at making the Eastern Conference Finals. Three teams in the East that all look like championship teams. The Bucks, the Raptors, and the Celtics. It's like the East gets hated on a lot, and usually deservedly so, because like the Magic are in the playoffs. But just knowing like that your top three are those top three, that's that's legit. Top three are maybe better than top three in the West. Like look at the West. I, the Nuggets I, are looking like they If the Nuggets are truly the three, then yeah. <laughs> We'll talk about them here in a moment. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Moving on. Heat Pacers. The Heat are, I mean, the Scorched Earth comment goes well with their name, but, like, Duncan Robinson can't miss. What, he hit, like, seven threes? Seven or eight threes? Seven of eight, I think. Yeah. Uh Um, Jimmy Butler can all of a sudden shoot again? Yeah. That's that's a revelation. I think it's TJ Warren. I think that's what brings (laughs) it out. I mean, like, this Heat team's so scrappy. Uh, Am's fantastic. There, I mean, again, this is just like a really competent team. They go yep. eight, about eight deep. They can go more yep. if they need to. Um, Derek Jones Jr., of course, out right now, unfortunately. Um, but like, they're a really competent yeah. team. Dragic is good. Uh, he's Dragic st- is really good. He started for them because they needed him to. And he gave like an interview the other day, and they asked him about it, and he's like, he told Spolstra he wanted to come off the bench. Because he just kind of got comfortable with that role, but he he'll start if you need him to, and he's been really good. You know, he's hitting shots. So it's like between him and Butler and and Robinson, if those three guys can hit shots, and then Olenek's been good off the bench. Um, yeah, Adebayo, like you said, has been really good, and then you know Derek Jones Jr. has been fine. You know, I think he'll be fine because um, it wasn't ended up being a serious injury. But um, you got Tyler Hero coming off the bench, yep. still good. Kendrick Nunn's getting back into the the swing of things now too. It's like, oh, you have, yeah, a legit playoff rotation here. Um, you got bigs who can stretch the floor. 
really good defensive team. Jay Crowder, Damian mentioned him. Yeah. That's like, okay, you got multiple wing defenders. You've got multiple shooters. You've got a couple really good bigs, or at least competent bigs, and a star in Jimmy Butler. I mean, that's the makings of uh, at least a you know conference finals team. Now, again, there's just so many other good teams. You might not get there, but that's a really tough team to play against, and the Pacers are just feeling it. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the concern about them coming into the series. Who's going to score? Like, how are they going to score enough yeah. points to get past the Heat? And TJ Warren has cooled off. He's not bubble TJ Warren. <laughs> he's not scoring 50 points no. a game or whatever. I guess he's not getting defended by Ben Simmons. So, <laughs> you know, there's that. Um, uh, but, I mean, like, this team, Pacers team, unfortunately, has just kind of been nicked up all year. No Sabonis. No Sabonis. Uh, Oladipo Bro- still hurt. Oladipo Brogdon still hurt. Still hurt. Brogdon has been fine. Like he's, but like, you fine know, isn't help. good enough. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the thing with this Pacers team. It's gonna be next year, yeah. I guess, if they're really yeah. contending. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think this is a, what are they up two zero right now? Three yeah. zero. They play today, Saturday. Yeah. So I, uh, I think the Heat either wrap this up in five or it's a four game sweep. Yeah, at this point. I mean, it's going to have to be Oladipo plays like Oladipo. To, like classic. To, you really push this past five games at this point. Um, I, I've i also been really unimpressed with Miles Turner. I, I think yeah. that's been, like, he's he's taken a lot of shots, and he's not making a lot of shots. And this is not, it's kind of been covered up all year with Sabonis being so good. Um, Brogdon was good. Oladipo, you know, mm. when he's in there and being Oladipo, then I know it hasn't been much this year, but it's it can cover it up. It can hide it. Um, but it's just it's not anymore. You know, you get exposed in the playoffs. That ultimately is what happens to average teams. And again, part of its injuries and, and the bubble situation keeping Sabonis out. Um, I know he had foot injury too, but maybe the Heat. You can say we're the worst matchup possible for them, but I think this is happening against just about anybody for yeah. the Pacers. So. Yeah. I th- I mean it it's not unfortunately it's not it's a funnish series I guess because of the Butler Warren. Yeah. Like there's like, still some hope here for the Pacers. Yeah, yeah. Um cuz the Heat could also go 4 for 40 shooting threes. <laughs> um but it's like there's a little bit of hope for the Pacers, but if it doesn't materialize today, then obviously you're down 3-0 and it's basically it's a series. Yeah. Yep. Um, anything more you want to say on this series before before we attend the Thunder funeral? Yeah, no. <laughs> so, my beloved Oklahoma City Thunder, I have R.I.P. in our notes next to Look their like name. Trash. Uh, playing the Rockets, it's not been as interesting of a series as I hoped it would be. As everyone thought it would be. I kind of, I guess, like after Game One. You were, like, out. I was out. I was hardcore <laughs> out. I was texting. I was like, man, Rockets in three. <laughs> like, just wrap it up. Um, I, so, here's the thing. I I kind of... I think we talked about it a little bit in our last podcast when we were previewing the series. Is that the Thunder don't really have a small ball lineup. And they're not really great offensive rebounding team. No. Um, because Gallo stands so much out at the three-point line, it leaves really Adams... And they're by himself. Yeah, to fetch against, like, three bodies, which uh, can work sometimes, but 
Adams has been fine in the series. Yeah, he's it, been maybe a little better than I would expect for him in a normal game. But the problem is, like, it's not taking advantage still. It's not to that level of, you know, making Houston pay for going small. Right. And then, like, Jeff Green randomly having, like, a moment in the series coming back to bite Oklahoma City. Doesn't he always do this in, like, the first or second round of the playoffs? He looks like he deserves, like, a big contract. And then in the, like, second or third round of the playoffs, it's like, can't blame anymore. Oof. This is bad. Um, Yeah, I mean, CP3's not been good. James Harden has been great essentially there it is (laughs) um and that's the difference like your superstars on either end of the floor haven't been like for the thunder haven't been great and the rockets have been um like james harden's getting to the free throw line can't foul him uh the thunder have been pretty foul happy i mean whether james harden creates that or the refs give them that um it's just been kind of a bloodbath honestly and and like it (laughs) Like, the Thunder have overachieved, by far. Yeah. Like, this isn't... This may be the worst matchup for them. Like, if they would have drawn, like, the Nuggets or Jazz, like, oh, I think they, they win that series, right? They, I mean, against the Nuggets at this point, yeah. The Jazz, <laughs> maybe not at the way the Jazz are playing, but... They yeah, match up better with those teams. Definitely, yes. Um, it's more of a traditional lineup that those teams run out, and you look a lot better against. Because then Torrey Craig is going to have to guard one of your three guards and he can't stay in front of any of them but also i don't know maybe he could stay in front of cp3 because he's sucked yeah he's been so bad he's been bad and i think um like there's not that big guy that he can take advantage of because that's no. what he's like so yep. good at is getting a center and a pick and roll getting the switch and kind of just either playing like just dribbling around him and getting to that elbow jumper he loves so much or just getting to the rim and like that's not a thing with the Rockets. Nope. It's like you're getting Robert Covington. And all of a sudden like, you're like, ah, oh, crap. Who's like this a really worse. good defender. Yeah. <laughs> like on-ball defender. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I The Thunder may be able to squeak out one win. but It's I, just going to take a Houston having a bad shooting night. Which can happen. I mean, Definitely. But it, it's not... Like, James Harden's not going to stay quiet for two games. Three games. Four no. games. Um, so, I... I just think the Rockets are the better team here, and they'll take the series. Which yeah. I mean, like the Thunder getting the playoffs, huge, the huge, huge deal yeah. for yeah. them. Um, I just this is maybe the worst matchup they yeah. could have asked for. Um, my couple little tidbits here. I mean, you pretty much hit it all. Um, you're the Thunder guy here, but um, yeah, the fact that your guards are really good, but their best skill is always taking advantage of big men yeah and if houston's not going to play big man then their best skill is negated and then they either become iso players which none of them are like dennis Schroeder's is probably the best iso guy at this point in chris paul's career and i'm not trusting dennis Schroeder on pull-up jump shots yeah you know his three-point shooting is cooled off like definitely. we talked we talked about that like right after the bubble and yeah. it is he was like hitting like 39 percent yeah three which was like a career high so what the Thunder, you know, it's it's highlighted in this series. In other series, you're right, it, it wouldn't be quite as much, but is there's no perimeter playmaker who can get by other guards. Like, other, like, good perimeter defenders. Um, switches are one thing, you know, pick and rolls and beating the hedge is one thing, but just being like, I am, I have my defender, I'm going by him, and I'm going to make a play. Thunders don't have that. Like, Gallo's good, but Gallo's not that guy either. Mm-mm. So, um, and no one off your bench has that capability either 
Like, you found a lot of nice pieces this year, I think. And yep. I think that's probably got to just be the biggest takeaway and win is, you you know, Shea. He did take a step forward this year. He's obviously still got a lot to improve on, but he did take a step. Dennis, you know, is someone you could probably keep around for a little bit. Chris Paul's, yeah, worse, he's a good mentor and he's still a good player, but, you know, long term, you probably are trying to look to trade him in the next year or two. Um, he'll, he'll help you be a good team in the meantime, though. Adams, you kind of already knew what he was. Gallinari made it interesting if you want to bring him back now or maybe a sign and trade. Um, with Gallo, you found Lou Dort. Um, Lou Dort! Yeah, I know. I, this is, I mean, Lou Dort has been shouted out for over a year on this podcast now. Um, I'm going to keep doing it, too. Like, Darius Baisley um, yeah. has really taken a Kid step. Play. Yeah, so it's like you found pieces to move forward with, potential you know, cornerstone pieces also. Like, there's a lot of you know, good in that. It's just when it comes to then playing in a playoff series, all those things don't quite matter as much. So it depends on is are you cool with a moral victory or are you just going to dwell on getting swept by the Rockets? I, I think the Thunder are a good organization. They're going to take the good and run with it and get better. But for the sake of this series, it's not looking good. Yeah, I, it's unfortunate. I think, like, for me as a Thunder fan, it's definitely encouraging to see... Like, I was hypercritical of the Baisley pick last year. Um, As you should have been. <laughs> and, like, to see him kind of develop here in the bubble has been nice. Whether that happens outside the bubble is... We'll is it see. sustainable? Um, but Lou Dort, essentially finding him as a fifth starter has yep. been incredible. Um, like, shout out to coaching staff. Normally, mm. the Thunder don't really get those guys yeah. <laughs> type of guys. Andre's back. Andre's back, which has been incredible. Like... If he's back to an all NBA type of defense type of player, like he's a really useful player to have around. Um, so there's encouraging things here as a Thunder fan. It's just that we're still in that rebuilding phase, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. po- post Westbrook, post Durant, yeah. post Paul George. Yeah, it's it's just gonna be. I mean, you're in this for the long haul. Yeah, that, that's why you have everyone's draft pick for the 10 years. Um, <laughs> you have, like, 13 first-round draft picks, which, I mean, those will start coming around hopefully soon. So. Yeah. So then that leaves us with two more series, and it's more the um, intriguing uh, games left still to be played. And so it's Nuggets, Jazz, and Clippers, Mavs. So which one do you want to do first? Let's talk about the Clippers, Mavs. Okay. Because this, this series has been... A lot closer than I thought it would be down the stretch of games. Because mm-hmm. I had Clippers in four, if you recall, Matt. That was bold. <laughs> that was bold. Because my reasoning was the Mavs can't defend, which they still, still can't. can't defend. Yeah, Paul George is just not is hitting like 20% of his shots yeah. uh, for the series, which is just horrific. Playoff P really coming in clutch here. <laughs> um, but like they've their late game scoring has kind of been good. Like... Mm-hmm. Luca's yeah. been maybe one of the, the best player in the series. Is that too far to go? I don't. It's, I mean, Kawhi's I mean, him, been incredible. Him and Kawhi are neck and neck for Which best player in the series. The second second year for this dude. Yeah, I and know it, that speaks volumes. Like Luca, this isn't like we talk about the Blazers. I don't think the Mavs are a traditional seven seed either. No, they're not. Because this team. Rick Carlisle, I, I think, gets a ton of credit for being a good coach. I, he's a great coach. Like, getting the most out of Trey Burke and yeah, Seth Curry and, like, these guys who are coming off the bench for this team. 
and like absolute like the scoring juggernaut that this team is this clippers team is really good defensively and can't control or can't handle this team offensively yeah like that speaks volumes to not only like the personnel but the coaching yeah, too they can't defend defend Kristaps at all Kristaps is going for 30 every game um <laughs> as long as he's in the game you know so that's yeah i had uh clippers and six which that might happen um it's just one of those luca has to realize he can literally take Kawhi off the dribble like he very can... literally he can take Kawhi off the dribble and then give him a shoulder in the post if because he already gets by him Kawhi recovers luca gives him a little bump and it's a layup like very seriously i've watched this multiple times now in this series already mm-hmm. paul george same thing you can put a big on him he'll do it against Montrez. he will do it against everybody he he's got to realize like you can get yourself a bucket inside basically whenever you want. The three is nice, and I want you taking the threes. But if Kawhi has to be a little more respectful of your drive, the three is more open at this point because the three like it goes in, but honestly it seems to go in more on the step backs than it does just like the normal catch and shoots yeah. and stuff. So if you can get the Clippers defenders to respect your drive more, which is an incredible part of your game, if you can get them to respect it more. I think the three-point shot will come a little easier. And that's, you know, that's a 20-year-old figuring this out against literally the two of the <laughs> six greatest defenders in the world, you know? Um, but that's that's something you learn in time. Also, Kristaps, like I was saying, they can't put anybody on him. I mean, like, pick and roll, just corner threes. I mean, them running, like, a little uh, off-ball screening action for Kristaps, like, to get a curl... It doesn't matter. Like, no one's doing anything. No one has the height. No one can stay in front of him, like, foot speed-wise. And if you're going to leave him on the perimeter, he's hitting. Yeah. I, I, I mean, this is what... I don't know what you do. I this, seriously don't know what you do to make an adjustment if you're Doc Rivers. This is what Phil, Phil Jackson draft, drafted Kristaps for, right? Like, this, this was this was the vision for Kristaps. And, it. I mean, it's not sad, that he's not doing it on the Knicks because I hate the Knicks, but um, <laughs> they don't deserve him. <laughs> it's just incredible to see him kind of come into this role. We've seen it. I mean, he took a what year and a half break from basketball after a serious a- ACL injury, um, but seeing him back in the playoffs and it, and Luca and Kristaps first playoff series. Yeah, like this is Jesus. This is incredible. This has to be incredibly encouraging for the Mavs. Not only fan base, but for the front office. This really feels like you're one guy away. Like, they're the Clippers from last yeah. year, right? Yes. Like, that scrappy team who's overachieving in a series. You, you obviously, at a talent disadvantage, but you're that one guy yeah. away from winning. Maybe two guys yeah. away from winning a championship. The, the Clippers only move uh, to stop those guys, besides them getting hurt or ejected, is... You've got to double and just pray that you're not leaving Tim Hardaway open and you're leaving, like, Dorian Finney-Smith open <laughs> at this point, right? Like, yeah. that's that's the yep. hope. Or is if you leave – at this point, you can't leave Seth Curry open. Seth Curry is shooting, like, his brother. Um, it's, like, is DeLon Wright out there? Yep. Is DeLon Wright the one shooting? Is Trey Burke the one shooting? Even though Trey Burke's been good, too. It's just, can you get the ball in the hands of the other guys? Um, besides the two primaries and, the like, all the all they do is shoot guys but even like Boban's been good Boban's get Boban's giving them 20 and 10 every night off the bench Boban's looking like a high schooler out at a kindergarten pickup oh game just God. like 
jump hook in. It's just insane. Like he's getting so sky, skying for rebounds out of nowhere. Doesn't even have to jump really. Just just and, picks it out of the air. Yeah. With his freaking I don't know Slenderman ten foot <laughs> arms. It feels like. Yeah. But like defensively, like that's sometimes what happens with Boban. Is like, but on defense you can't like play him. Even though yeah. he's a good yeah, rim protector, yeah. it's just. If he has to step out, it's kind of a Joel thing, the Rudy Gobert thing. You step out, and all of a sudden you're going right by him. Like they haven't really taken advantage of that yet. Um, part of it's you got to make Dallas pay. If you're going to put shooters out there, those shooters can't defend. You got to make them pay for it. And the Clippers, at the end of the day, it's been Kawhi's been going Kawhi, like playoff Kawhi. Playoff Kawhi is like maybe the best player in the world. Yeah, like that. I, I saw a whole bunch of tweets about that last night. Is like. His usage rate versus like his effectiveness is just insane. Like yeah. he's like what he can do so easily. Yeah, is remarkable. And part of it's you're playing Dallas, right? There's not a lot of guys playing defense on you. But like even like Maxi Kleber, good defender. Like he can generally stay in front of Kawhi, and he's not going to get like totally destroyed in the post either. Like Kawhi is still doing. I mean, still putting up 28 points on like 26 shots which is not great but like it's not that bad yeah you know it's not that bad or like 20 shots even it's like you could deal with it there's just defensively there's not a lot either team can do to stop the other and at the end of the day i'm a little surprised the clippers offense has been as good as it has been but maybe that's just because Kristaps got ejected unnecessarily <laughs> and luca, game luca missed the fourth quarter yeah her. if neither of those things happen i can't tell you that the mavericks aren't up 3-0 <laughs> right oh dang spicy take i mean they lost now. by like eight like in yeah. like something like in both of those games or whatever like you're not Kristaps can make an eight point difference in favor of the mavs it could easily be two one for the mavs right? oh I'm, I'm not saying it would be three oh yeah, yeah just like the fact that, like that's a very real possibility like there's it's not a majority outcome but it's like a 40 percent outcome like that's it's a moral victory, but the Mavs are down 2-1. So, like, you know, you are where you are. It's playoff basketball. Like, the Clippers aren't going to shed a tear that Kristaps got ejected and look at rolled. For nothing, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Landry Shamit started the other night in place of Patrick Beverly. I guess that's something else. Shamit's been pretty good. Shamit was good. Um, I think that's the biggest miss here for the Clippers is that they're without Beverly, who would certainly help yeah. on Luka. Um, wouldn't shut him down, I don't think, but... Um, it's a fun series. I think this is going to go six. I think I six guess. is about where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. I, seven. I would be very surprised if this series went seven. Yeah. If Luca was like a hundred percent healthy, maybe it goes seven, but I think six is probably the sweet spot. If it, if it goes five, it's going to be a fantastic five. Yeah. You know, but yep. I just don't think that. So the other series here, both on the same side of the bracket, actually. Right. Yeah. It's the Jazz and Nuggets are the three six, um, kind of interesting series. I don't know what to make of this. Donovan Mitchell opening with fifty seven, and then the Jazz squander it. Who's okay? <laughs> yeah, you know who the list of like youngest scores ever in playoff like the most points. Go ahead, it, Michael Jordan, Donovan Mitchell. I know that's <laughs> it. That's the list. It's just incredible. This Donovan Mitchell, we uh, he hasn't been great. Um, I I don't think at all this year. Hasn't been 
the level that we've known him to be. Against it, the playoffs against the Thunder a couple years ago. Like, he didn't keep ascending the way yes. people thought he would. Yeah. But he's, like, hitting threes, like, off the yeah. dribble, which yeah. he hasn't done all year, which is incredible. Uh, he's playmaking. He's He was, like, their point guard for the first two games. Plus, what we've said for a long while is, like, you don't need to put a point guard next to him. Just, like, give, just him the ball. give him the ball and, let and him give him learn. some shooters and enough defenders around him. Like that's all you need to do. Yep. Well, especially if you're playing Gobert, like you need shooters around him. And they just they've always been so reluctant to buy into it. Rubio. Yeah, and so now they had Exum for the longest time. They finally got off of Exum, and now they're just kind of like. You know, Ingles is a really nice player, but Ingles is not going to be our point guard anymore either. He's going to be, like, a nice secondary creator off mm. of, like, if Mitchell swings the ball to him, he'll run a pick and roll with, like, Royce O'Neal or Rudy Gobert or something and then create, like, the next action. But it's not Joe Ingles bring the ball up anymore. Like, that's not the majority of the time what's going on. It's Donovan, here's the ball, do what you need to do. And it's worked. It's He's been an incredible playmaker. Like, he's definitely gotten better. Yeah. Um, throughout the bubble and especially in the playoffs, the I think game one was maybe the most exciting game so far in the playoffs where him and Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray went back and forth Four, trading buckets. Yeah, late game Jamal Murray. Late game Jamal Murray. I, like Jamal Murray was hitting step back threes. That was seriously. I tweeted this out um, from our account. Was that was seriously maybe the best Jamal Murray I've ever seen. That was, was fourth definitely quarter peak, in OT. Yeah, definitely peak Jamal Murray. Yeah. Like he was able to. He was really nifty around the basket. Um, like, like he looked like the ultimate version of point guard slash shooter Jamal Murray because he he could pass him and Jokic got a two man game oh going. Oh my gosh, their two man game. If Murray's on, their two man game is yeah. you can't guard it. It's like Murray. He's so fast at getting to the rim. It's just is he a consistent finisher? Um, but he was in fourth quarter in overtime. Yeah, the three was going in. He couldn't miss yep. if you asked him to. Um, I think that was if if he can be a consistent finisher at the rim and he can be a consistent three point shooter off the dribble, like that's Jamal Murray's next step to being like a superstar. Now, two of the hardest things to do in the league is finish at the rim amongst Rudy Gobert and then also hit step back threes. But it's what you got to do if you want to be the elite guards in the league. And for a brief, you know, few minutes of game time, he was that, and it was really cool. And it somehow was enough to squander. The 57 points Donovan Mitchell put up trying to carry the Jazz when no one else could do anything. <laughs> but, you Ooh. know, like, you got to give credit to Murray for coming up clutch. But Donovan's like, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing in games two and three. And it's been really effective. He's been incredible. I, Rudy Gobert's been really good for the Jazz. Like, he's getting playing incredible defense, one, on Jokic. Yeah. But then on the other end, he's getting easy dunks he's finishing around the rim incredibly effectively he's getting all the offensive rebounds Jokic can't rebound he's he's stolen the ball so many times from Jokic in this series just like concerning how many (laughs) times yeah that's kind of another thing is like Jokic Jokic's effort has just been abysmal it's not it's like does he want to be in Denver (laughs) like that's kind of the next question like what is happening with Nikola like Jokic. He's, like, he's just kind of out there, like, doing his thing. And, like, it works. Like, it, it'll get you 20 and 10, you know, but at the same time, Your it's, team like... team needs, like, 35 and 15. Uh, and engage... Heck, even an engaged 25, 10 and 8 yeah. is better than a lazy 20, 10 and 5. 
you know, like there's a significant difference when like even if, you know, Tory Craig blows the layup, like you're finding Tory Craig on the back cuts and you're making your teammates want to move and cut, not just stand still. And, you know, when they're more engaged because they're getting the ball more and getting more open shots, then they're going to play better defense for you. Now, in cases of, like, Michael Porter Jr., Michael Porter Jr. is not playing defense anyway, right? Like, there's just some guys who aren't playing defense. Donovan Mitchell, you want to talk about come here. Like, that, <laughs> anytime Donovan Mitchell sees Michael Porter Jr. on the floor, he calls his man over and is like, all right, Screen, pick and roll. Switch. Give it to me. And, and it's just like a bucket. Like, if we want to talk about... Jason Tatum shooting on Al Horford. I want to know Michael Porter Jr.'s numbers while he's on the floor while guarding Donovan Mitchell because it it's has about to the same. Be, it has to be a hundred percent. Like uh, there's legit. The like, only miss maybe like Donovan Mitchell just like rimming something out. Yeah. At this point, Mike, you I saw it in the last game. Mike Malone was like, I can't put Porter back in there. He he quit. <laughs> like it was like the third quarter. He's like, I can't put him in. Can't play Canner. Can't yeah. play Porter. At this point, it's one the offense wasn't giving him enough either. So it's not like he was going for yeah, twenty five. It's not, it's not even like he's hitting shots no. right now. He's he's being a rookie. Yeah, you know. Um, and so that's it. If he's not hitting shots, then there's absolutely no reason to have Michael Porter Jr. on the floor. And that's kind of what saved the Nuggets from falling out of the three seed um, when we were doing the seeding games. Was Michael Porter Jr. like figured out how to be a good offensive player, which he's always known how to be a good offensive player, but it came to fruition. Yep. And the defense wasn't terrible. It wasn't good, but it wasn't terrible. Now it's terrible, and the shot's not falling. So it's the, what do you do for us? Do you rebound? Do you Are you a playmaker? No. No, you're not. So we're going to play Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Straight Grant's up. been good. <laughs> I texted you this the other day. I, I legit asked you, is, like, is Jeremy Grant like the best Nuggets player right now? Like, Is he the hottest Nuggets player? I mean, he's been consistently better than Murray and Jokic at this point. Obviously, he's not that level of talent. Like, he's but not like, the talented. Obviously, the but, like, the fact that, like, if you need to throw one guy out there to get a stop or to get you a bucket, I know to get a stop, it's Jeremy Grant at this point. And to get a bucket, I'm not saying it's not Jeremy Grant. <laughs> you know? It, and that's just, like, part of it's taking advantage of, like, Joe Ingles or whoever's guarding him. But also, like, dude, just, like, sometimes, like, being a really active player and, like, being there on your rotations and being a good cutter and, you know, finding rebounds and just kind of taking advantage of situations. Like, getting an easy 10 or 12 points every game on that kind of stuff, like, it does wonders for a team. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he's basically the only guy on Denver who does that is kind of putting them in the situation they're in. Like, there's no one else out there. Like, Paul Millsap, he looks old. He just does. Like, even though he's hit some shots, he looks old. And without Barton, without Gary Harris, who were those Jeremy Grant-type players? It... They're just severely lacking that depth and that, you know, that infusion of life that PJ Dozer's not bad, but he doesn't bring you that, you know, there's just you, some things you can't replace and Monte Morris, he's been fine. Can't do that. But for the, go back to the jazz, Clarkson's been good. Yeah. Ingles has been good. Royce O'Neal's been good. If that's what's kind of happening is the wings for Utah are outplaying the wings for Denver. There's no shot for Denver at that point. And also Mike Conley. That's been revitalized. Yeah, game three, he came yeah. out and hit as felt like everything he looked like seven at. for eight from three. Yeah. And just, I don't know, like as kind of a secondary, even tertiary ball handler, and with Joe Ingles and yeah. Mitchell on the floor, like it looks really good. And he was throwing lobs to Rudy. Like that's, that's something that like really didn't happen a ton. 
during throughout the year. No. Um, but I mean, it's happening now, and that's when you need it to that's happen. Thing. If the big has to step up on Conley, even a little bit, that's what it's opens up that passing lane. Then, yep. yeah, even it's a little bit of a step. It's, it means a lot. And again, the the guys guarding Ingles and uh, Donovan, if they can't leave their guy to go tag Rudy Gobert diving to the basket because that means Donovan Mitchell's wide open on the corner. Like all of a sudden, again, the passing lanes are so there and there's just nothing. It feels like Denver can do to counteract that besides like doing something different with who they're matching up with to start with, to negate some of these issues um, before they even happen. But if you're going to do that at this point, Donovan's like, if you put anything less than your best defender on me, it's, it's a bucket. Yeah, it's a bucket. So I, it doesn't really feel like there's a ton of options for Denver at this point, unless their offense just goes supernova. And without Barton in there and Michael Porter Jr. hitting shots, it doesn't feel like that's an option. Yeah. I mean, it's like if you get, you've talked about Murray's finishing and three-point shooting. You just need more consistent Murray. Yeah, and I think it's that could be a big a, difference. More, con, uh, more, more of a series than it is right now. I feel like that's going to be the conversation we had with Jamal Murray for the next eight years, though. Is like, can he be a thirty-five percent three-point shooter, or is it going to be closer to forty? Like, where's yeah. that? Where's that line? Yeah. Like, where does that number fall at eventually? Um, it, I mean, we talked about it all last year. This is why I screamed about trading Malik Beasley. You know, he doesn't help your defensive problems, but he would be a sure, sure nice thing to have right like now, now offensively. Just someone who, like, throw the ball to and, like, I need a bucket. Yeah. Because that's the thing. And He's going to at least try on defense. Thinking back to, like, the lottery, it's like when we, I start, like, looking at prospects and stuff, it's like there are guys who can, you know, make some shots. There are some guys who are shooters, and then there are guys who can get buckets. There's that three levels of guy, and there's guys who are just incompetent on offense, and that's the very <laughs> bottom. But like, really, talking about offensive players, those that's the three levels, and that's you need those at least shooters, not just guys who can make some shots. The guys who can make some shots are the Royce O'Neills of the world. Yep. The guys who are shooters, you know, the Joe Ingles, and then the guys who can get a bucket. Uh, and guys who can get a bucket right now are Donovan and in Game Three, Mike Conley. You know, we're not counting on Conley every game, but if you can have a Donovan Mitchell who's a bucket getter, it, Utah looks like they're going to knock out the Nuggets here in the next couple of games. Yeah, it looks closer to a five-game series than maybe a six or seven that we kind of, I think, yeah. both thought it would be. Um, I had Nuggets in five. Yeah. The Nuggets were rolling. Yeah. And Utah was looking like... Sluggish. Yeah, sluggish, like, like how they kind of had done all year, and it's why they were in the six. But... They basically just flipped the script. Both teams did, like some somehow they like traded these like powers and like <laughs> they like infected the other. Um, it was a good old Space Jam situation yep. where they suck the ball or all of their skills into a ball and then redistributed them. And yep. Turns out Rudy Gobert is now Nikola Jokic. Just seriously, just like I'm diving to the basket every time, and Mike Conley is just going to throw me a lob, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's the simplest offense in the world, but it's working because the other guys are hitting shots. Yeah. And sometimes that's basketball. Roll hard, play defense, hit shots. All right. I don't know how far it ultimately gets you, but it works really well right now. Yeah. Shout out to Quinn Snyder. That dude, yeah. I think, uh, really great coach. He's obviously has figured out a winning formula for Utah in this series. And I think, I mean, Utah kind of hunted this matchup and... They didn't want Houston. They didn't want Houston. 
Uh, but and they okay, certainly... They, okay, so you can tell you why. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe OKC next year will tank to get out of Houston's way. Um, probably not, though, because, you know, the Thunder won't be in the playoffs next year. But anyways... Um, <laughs> Listen, if Darius Baisley is going to be starting next year and, like, you trade CP3, it's not... Probably not, then. Probably yeah, not. Yeah, you're right. Anyways, that's... Do you have anything else you want to add to any anything before we wrap this podcast up? No, I'm just hoping for the last couple of good games tonight. Let's see if... We're about to watch Indiana-Miami. Let's see if Oladipo can do anything significant for them. Otherwise, this, this is ball game. Shout out to Duncan Robinson. Man, that guy... Boy. That guy can just... He talking about green light for a shooter. That dude has an absolute green light. He has double green, right? Who has like a, who has a greener light? Duncan Robinson or Damian Lillard? I mean, <laughs> Damian's pulling out. Oh, like literally just hucking that half court. So I guess Dame, but Dame. it's not by a lot. It's not by a lot. <laughs> Damian has like a triple green light. Duncan has like two and a half. So that's how close <laughs> it is. Um, anyways. We'll stop rambling about green lights for shooters. Thank you so much for listening to episode 76 of the Couch GM 77. podcast. Oh, 77. Sorry. See, there, there's our Luka. <laughs> there's our fourth quarter ankle sprain right there. There, there it was. Well, I, 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 I told you it was bound to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we got to end this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to episode 77. Uh, we appreciate it so much and give us a rating and a review whenever we get the chance we will see you back for episode 78 yeah.